Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Squandalust, the podcast about the emotional side of money, why our actions aren't always as good as our intentions and what we can do about it. I'm your host, Martha Lawton. Today, I'm talking to Will Rainey, founder of Blue Tree Savings and author of Grandpa's Fortune Fables, fun stories to teach kids about money. Before we begin, I want to make a suggestion. Check out the Good Pods app. They're not sponsoring the show. I'm recommending them because they're a great app for discovering new podcasts and supporting your favourite shows. Follow people with similar interests to find out what they're listening to, join groups to discuss and recommend the shows you love, and many of the hosts are also users, so you can chat directly with them, including me. Good Pods is free on iOS and Android. Okay, let's do this. Will, welcome. Tell our listeners a bit about yourself. Hi there. Yeah, so my name's Will Rainey. I've uh, must have been about four years ago. I was working as a, an investment consultant uh, both in, in Hong Kong. So I was going around Asia talking to some very large institutions, so pension schemes, insurance companies, and even some government entities. And whilst I was kind of doing this work, I was having a conversation with someone about my two young daughters. And they made a, a comment, just said, oh, enjoy this time with them whilst they're young. They only grow up once. And it was such a simple statement, but it had a really big impact on me. And I went, yeah, that's true, they do. And so I thought, I want to make the most of this time with my daughters whilst they're still young. So my wife and I kind of put in a plan to say, right, well, why don't we leave our full-time jobs and spend more time with them? So, and that's exactly what we did in 2019. My wife and I left our full-time corporate jobs and we moved to Vietnam, where I am now, uh, and just have this amazing time with my kids whilst they're, they're still young. So we get to take them to school, pick them up, uh, to spend so much more time with them. But whilst uh, they're at school, I wanted to have a uh, to do something, make sure I'm, I'm active, not just lazing about. And so what I thought I'd wanted to do was to say, I want to do something with my kids, but I also want to do something with personal finance because I come from a sort of personal finance kind of background, talking to, to large institutions. And the idea came to me that when I was leaving Hong Kong to do this kind of adventure, a lot of people within the financial industry said to me, how can you afford to do that? How can you afford not to be working? And 
for me and my wife, we've been savers and investing our money for the longest time. And so I thought most people were doing that, but it really came to light that we were in a really small minority of people who actually do save and invest. And, and that has allowed us to have this uh, opportunity. And it, people say, why have I been saving and investing? And a lot of it came down to the fact that my parents did. <laughs> and I kind of learned and copied and followed from them. And it just shows kind of the power of what you learn as a child about money has a big impact on what happens to us as adults. Uh, so that's why I, I decided to focus on. So I started Blue Tree Savings to help as many parents as possible, teach their kids about money so that they start saving and, and looking after their money from, from a young age. Uh, so that's what I've been doing for the, the last two years. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I think it's so important I hear a lot from people when we start talking about money and they start talking about their own money and their journey. A lot of people will say, I wish I'd been taught this when I was younger. I wish I'd been taught when I was a child. And then they immediately default to it should be in school. And that's not necessarily wrong, but school is only one part of a child's life. It's not even necessarily the biggest influence. And learning at home can often be so much more powerful. Um I don't know whether that chimes with you, but um, I, I really think parents have such a huge influence and a role to play. Oh, a big time. So when I think about what we learn about money and what we do about money, I kind of put it into two kind of buckets. There's kind of money knowledge. So there's mm -hmm. understanding what is debt, what is tax, what is investing. And that kind of stuff can be taught at school. And the, the theory is that if you know about something you learn about something new then that will <laughs> impact on your act your actions but we know that doesn't always work so we look at healthy eating most of us know that donuts and coca-cola is bad for us but we still do it <laughs> um yeah. and then it comes down to the other side which so that's the money kind of knowledge and then the other mm -hmm. side of it is kind of money behaviors and actions and it's really hard for schools to teach kids how they should take action with their money and that's really where the parents have to come in so giving children some pocket money to make some decisions when children get some money from the tooth fairy or for their birthday sort of saying to them what are you going to do with that money how are you going to kind of look after it and that schools can't be responsible for that and that's going to come from the parents and it's also going to come from role modeling uh, mm. probably about 90 percent of what children do learn about money is probably from observing the people around them and the people that they're around most often is going to be their parents so it's so, so important that the parents do take responsibility for what their child to learn about money in terms of actions and, and behaviours. Um, because also, if even if children did go to school and they learn everything there is about money, but then they go home and see their, their parents essentially doing the opposite <laughs> in most yeah. cases to what they see, is, that can be very confusing. Uh, yeah. So I do believe that if schools can do more about the money knowledge, that would be fantastic. But ultimately, I do believe it's the, the parents' responsibilities to help their kids. Um, but most parents will never talk about money themselves. Uh, so they yeah, find yeah, that very, yeah. very challenging. Um, and that's one of the main reasons for, for starting Blue Tree Savings is to, to provide the resources to help those parents who want to teach their kids about money but, but don't know where to start. Yeah, I think, I think that's so important, especially this, this whole role modelling point. And I think it goes almost beyond that because... Uh, what a child observes their parent doing. And then there's a kind of a different level that the child's not aware of, which is the reasons why. So 
I think you can observe your parents doing things that are actually sensible. But if you don't know why they're doing it, if they don't, the child doesn't have an explanation from the parent as to that rationale for why it's going going on. The child can learn the wrong lessons. Um, and I'm I'm thinking here just from personal experience. When I was growing up, my mum would say a lot, oh, we can't have that, it's too expensive. We can't have that, it's too expensive. We don't have the money for that. And what she actually meant was, your dad and I are choosing to spend our money on different things and we're choosing to save and invest. So right now we're not going to buy that because that's not in our plan. But what I heard all the time was, no, 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 we don't have any money. So the assumption was we're poor. Um, and the assumption was you can't have and we don't have rather than we're planning, we're making different choices and we're going to be better off in the future. Like there is a future that we're working towards, which I didn't know. You know, I just felt this sort of sense of uncertainty, my sister and I, because we didn't know that there was a future with more money in it that was that they were working towards. And so I think it's there's a sort of double layer of not just role modeling the right behaviors, which to some extent my parents were doing, but also explaining those behaviors so they make sense to children and having really good conversations around money. Um, and I think that's where what you're doing becomes really important is is not just the doing, but actually having these good conversations, positive conversations about money. hundred percent. And there's two points on that that I thought about as you're saying that. One is the other area is for children when they're growing up, if they don't hear something, they can sometimes associate that with a bad thing. So if mm. parents don't talk about money or talk positively about it they might associate oh that's not being spoken about that must mean it's bad a bit like swearing <laughs> I hope most parents don't swear around their children and the sort of absence of swearing makes it in their minds a bad thing and if money's not talked about or it's talked about in a any kind of negative light they're going to just pick up on that and what that does is it kind of just shuts them down a little bit in terms of wanting to understand about money or learn about money because they just see it as a bad thing and they want to stay away from what they perceive as as potentially a bad topic so that's yeah. one area and the other one is like what you're saying about your uh, experience is that children will naturally see people spend money so they'll mm -hmm. straight away see that money is being spent they'll go to the shops they'll see money being handed well not so much today but they'll see a transaction <laughs> hopefully going on and uh, and know that money is is being exchanged but they won't see money being saved it's yes. not something you can actively see. Most of us do it on the computer or on our phones. And so unless someone proactively teaches children about saving, all they're going to associate money is with money spending, money spending. Mm. And that gets hardwired. And research shows that children pick up or form many of their adult money behaviors by the age of seven. <laughs> and in wow. most cases, that's just going to be this hardwiring of money spending, money spending. So what we really want to do is try and get as many families talking about money so that children can see that money is not just for spending. Money is for spending and spending is fun. We don't want to take that away, but it's mm. also for, for saving and growing and giving. And the more that they learn that from a young age and start taking actions which are aligned to those different uses, the more that their brain is going to get hardwired into taking these good actions with money. So when they become adults, when people say, oh, how come you've got so much savings? They'll be like, that's just what I do. <laughs> that's what I've always done. Uh, and that's one of my main goals. I want to see all children kind of growing up with those kind of that mentality, those behaviours. Uh, and I believe all families can help their children uh, do that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I wonder about this. Um, is teaching the parents to some extent a secondary goal? So when you have the parents teach the children, are the parents learning too, do you think? Uh, that's definitely my uh, one of my main goals. <laughs> um, and it all started off with a friend, actually. I was talking mm. to them and they were just saying, what do you do with... Uh, for your children so I sort of said well I invest some money every month and we tell them about it and we tell them about this so I use a, an analogy which is I get my children to think of money like seeds and mm -hmm. then give those seeds away which is like spending but they can sort of plant them and we say that that's planting a blue tree and then more money that they kind of save that they grow this kind of financial forest which they can visualize so I mm -hmm. told my friend about this and he said oh how do you do this investing piece so I kind of went through it and said right this is how you can set up an account mm -hmm. uh, for your children a bit like mine and he said brilliant and then once he was doing it for his kids he did it for himself and I was like why have you never done this before <laughs> for yourself mm -hmm. and he says like I've always just been busy saving up for a house or redecorating or a car or a holiday he's never thought about his future but he thinks about his children's future but as he was doing that kind of process of thinking about his children's financial future he then just put in motion changes to his and it was just a catalyst for him to to start making changes to his financial bit and that's fantastic and especially as most adults have never been taught about money especially topics like investing um they just see it as this very scary topic that only very <laughs> smart people or very rich people you have to know all these charts and horribleness and it's very scary because mm. you hear these horrible headlines um but that doesn't have to be the case and so by sort of teaching those kind of topics to a point where i'm sort of sharing stories where I talk, this is how I taught my seven-year-old daughter about it. And they're like, oh, right, that's not as scary or as hard as I, I thought it would be. Um, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so I've got a lot of nice feedback from my blogs and, and more recently the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's fantastic. I think that it's it's really interesting. People see areas where they themselves have struggled or do struggle. And they're, it's really hard to say, I'm struggling with this. Um, or I've found this difficult, or I need, even more so, I need help to understand and do this better. Um, but it's the urge to protect younger people um, yes. and children in particular uh, will will come out at that point and people will say, well, we have to teach young people, we have to teach children. And what they mean is I need to know. Yes. <laughs> but you can, yeah, so you can reach people that way, which is I think is yeah. really interesting. Yeah, and that come through. So I've been doing a few sort of, uh, workshops with companies mm. and they've had other especially when it's been going into financial services companies mm. when they've had others go in there to do a financial well-being workshop the attendance mm -hmm. has been very low because yeah. people feel a bit judged oh if I go to this it means that I don't know about money and therefore people are going to judge me <laughs> yeah. or I'm going to yeah. look stupid whereas yeah. when I, I I've done one where it's about saying right come to this uh, workshop and I'll tell, teach you how to teach your kids about money. Mm -hmm. They're all going in there with the thing of, I'm going to be a good parent or a good guardian. <laughs> mm. um, there's no kind of shame for me. And if I learn something whilst I'm there <laughs> about money myself, that's fantastic. But they're all attending and learning and there's not that kind of barrier where they feel judged or they feel that they're going to be patronized in any kind of way. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's fantastic. I think that's that's so so important. You've really hit a nail on the head around um, people being afraid of being judged or feeling ashamed, um, worrying about what colleagues are going to think about them. All that kind of stuff is so so important. Yeah, we're going to take a break for a second there, and then we're going to have a bit of a conversation about what makes good financial education for children of different ages. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back. We're talking to Will Rainey about teaching children about money. So, um, Will, what, what makes good financial education for children? So, for, in my sense, I have... Um these kind of what I call the free rules of wealth. Uh, and I try and encourage all parents to teach their kids these free rules of wealth and start following the, these. So the first one is to make sure that from the youngest age, whenever they start to get money, is to get in the habit of always saving one out of every 10 that they receive. Uh, and it doesn't matter how small the amount of money that they're given. So even if it's uh, sort of 20p get them to save 2p <laughs> and put it aside and just make it a habit of doing that so that every time they get um, birthday money pocket money tooth fairy money it's an action that they're taking and they're kind of seeing that over time these little bits that they're putting away soon start to build up and it will just become a natural habit for them uh, so that's, that's one of the first things I get parents to try and help their children learn the second is uh, about helping kids understand that money can grow. And I know it sounds like a maybe a quite an advanced mm-hmm. topic for kids, but I think the younger that they learn that money can grow, and so in my analogy I, I mentioned earlier, getting children to think of money like seeds, and my daughter's rightly, well, mm-hmm. when you do plant this, this seed, how does it grow? And so this is where I talk about, well, you could put it into a bank account, and then it gets, grows with some interest. But the mm-hmm. best one, from strictly for kids, if they can learn mm-hmm. that if money can be invested, then that money can grow. And the example I've always given is when my when I taught my daughters this, we're in McDonald's in, in Hong Kong. And because we invest mm-hmm. in thousands of companies um, via an investment fund every month on their behalf, 
we kind of said one of those companies is McDonald's. So、mm-hmm. you own a piece of McDonald's, and they got so excited. They're like, "What? We own this tray. We own this table. <laughs> we own the bins." <laughs> I was like, "Yes," <laughs> and they got really excited. And I said, "Yeah, all those people who are queuing up to to buy their burgers and their Happy Meals, some of the money that goes to McDonald's, that some of that money's yours."、Uh, and they're like, "Wow!" And I was like,、mm-hmm. "Because what happens is every time that、uh, someone buys a, a burger." That person's getting a little bit poorer, and the McDonald's getting a little bit richer, and that's not just here, but that's around the world. <laughs> and the more people that buy burgers, the more、uh, the more wealth that、uh, McDonald's is gaining. But McDonald's is owned by people, and those people are the people who invested, and you're one of those. And even from the youngest age, she was like, "Oh, wow!" And she could then go around the shopping mall, and she could see people spending, and she could associate, "Oh, right, that's how、mm-hmm. some people's money is growing," because. Ultimately, the money that's being spent is going somewhere, and that money is going back to people, and that's investing.、Mm-hmm. So, helping them realize that it's all well and good having the fanciest Apple iPhone or whatever it is, but actually, you'd rather just、mm-hmm. own Apple <laughs> having money. And even and even from a seven-year-old, <laughs> she kind of got that and got very excited about it. And I just think, oh, I want more and more kids to have that kind of、uh, view about money. So. Yeah, help kids learn that money can grow, and then when they go to sleep, that money was still going to grow whilst they're asleep. <laughs> so my daughter's always saying, "All、oh, right, so that must mean when、yeah. I'm asleep, people in America are buying some burgers." <laughs> um, the other side of the world.、Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the the second one, and the third one, which I think is hugely underrated but so so important, is、uh, about patience, and it's such an important、mm. financial topic for parents to teach their kids、uh, because essentially. Without patience, there's a lot of pressure for kids to spend these days with instant gratification <laughs> coming everywhere. They they see on social media the pressure to spend, and if they do want to spend, they just have to click a button and the money is just instantly taken out of their their bank account. So we need our kids to learn、mm-hmm. that they need to look after their money. They need to know that seeds take time to grow into trees,、uh, and they need to practice being patient. So I encourage all parents to get their children to、uh, save up for something, whether that's a toy, whether that's a bike or a book, but something in the future that they can't have straight away, and make sure they kind of get rewarded for that. So I say, for example, with my、mm-hmm. daughters, I say,、well, "What do you want to save up for?" And they say, "Well,、um, so recently it was a certain toy, and it was about thirty pounds." And I said, "Okay, if you get to twenty-five pounds,、mm-hmm. I'll pay the last five." So she had a, a nice incentive and a reward for being patient, because、uh, it'll be cheaper and, and she'll get there sooner. And it just, just trying to get these little bits wherever they are patient, not just with money but just in general,、uh, trying to give them a little reward. So、uh, an example I generally give is, I, know, I love that、uh, it's like a chocolate bar as well. So when my kids have chocolate, I try and say, try not to eat it all. Eat ninety percent of it <laughs> if you want. Keep a little bit for keep a little <laughs> bit for tomorrow, and if you do, I'll give you a little bit extra. And again, just gives them that sort of sense that if they wait,、uh, they get a little bit more. Clearly, I don't say don't eat any of the chocolate bar because I, I wouldn't. I'd be a bit of a hypocrite because、mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd be sitting there munching on my. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that, and I, I I have to say, I mean, 
that's a heck of a rate of return as well if I can save up that 25 pounds and I get the five pounds <laughs> on top I mean I guess it depends yeah, on uh, on how fast yes. they save it but uh, yeah no I, but it's important right you as you get older if you have developed that patience you will actually be able to cope with a lower rate of return but when you're young and you're starting out you actually need to have that reinforcement um, in fact actually at any age when you're starting out you need to have that reinforcement um, and it, it's, it's such an important thing to not just see saving as a deprivation but actually to see it as a positive thing that brings you something you otherwise would not have had that, that builds a better future not just deprivation now um, I love that. So you've actually given us um, some tips for preschoolers starting on pocket money early. You've given us some tips for seven-year-olds explaining investing like trees. Um, so that's the sort of early primary school age. What about if we're getting into slightly older children, kind of uh, that tween age group? Do you have any tips on sort of age-appropriate lessons yes, around money I for think, them? And this one's probably for this age and probably upwards a little bit is this really distinction between being rich and being wealthy I think this is just so important at that kind of age because it's Mm. kind of talking about giving money a purpose and I think without having this kind of conversation with your children most children will just say I want money because I want to go and buy some stuff (laughs) because I see other people with nice things or fun things I want to have those as well and that's natural and I think we will have that natural tendency to, to want to do that So we need to sort of say, well, if those people who have all these nice things, if they have some money and then they go and buy lots of things with that money, they're going to have no money left, Uh, which is Mm. going to be nice at the time. But what Mm. we want is for our children to have this kind of other way of living, which is saying you can still buy some some of the things you want, but keep some of that money aside and that money will grow. And that means when you're older, you'll have money growing when you're asleep. So you won't have to... So instead mm-hmm. of uh, you'll be able to retire much earlier, you'll be able to spend more time with your friends and family because you'll have those savings. Also, if there's a, emergencies, you'll have that, that backup. But also it just gives them a sense of when they're comparing other people. And that's just a thing that we all do. <laughs> and it's one of the biggest downfalls mm-hmm. in most people's is just keeping up with the Joneses. But once we kind of highlight to people, you should mm-hmm. save. And in my case, I use this forest analogy saying, Look, we can't judge ourselves or compare mm-hmm. ourselves because we don't know if that person has any of any trees, let alone a forest. <laughs> so you just have to focus on trying to grow your own forest. And that's what I call like the wealthy mindset is those who do have this this savings investing or the forest, as I call it. And that's giving them a goal is to try and grow this forest. So money has this other goal, not just for spending, but for this uh, being wealthy and uh, in one of my blogs and kind of adapted in in the book I have these characters and you've got the the traditional rich one who's very flashy and uh, has the nice nice everything <laughs> nice and everyone's kind of jealous of them but as soon as something goes bad um, they kind of lose everything because they haven't got any savings and then the other person who's living quite a modest life soon everyone wants to be like them because they can have all this time on their hands to do what they like and if bad things happen they still have no worries at all and just giving children these two different uh, characters and two different lifestyles or two different mindsets Mm. once they kind of understand and you say which one would you rather be 
pretty much everyone I've spoken to so far has always said I want to be the person with the, the being able to have more time and uh, have their own forest, even though what we see and on social media is the sort of attractiveness of this other character who's just spending and looks quite flashy. And I think the younger that we can highlight these two different uh, futures um, and sort of say, which one do you kind of want? Um, the more that they'll they'll see that there's this alternative and once they've got that mindset, then their actions will, will follow and they'll hopefully look after their money uh, more because they know to, to have this kind of forest, they can't just spend every single penny that they get. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that sounds like a a lesson to keep learning um, and keep reinforcing throughout all ages, really. Um, do you have any tips for people who are trying to help teenagers become more independent with their money? I mean, I think if you've if you've already got them a firm foundation from helping them when they're younger and, and teaching them all the things you were talking about when they're younger, that's one thing. But if you are if you haven't really got going with a lot of this and and you've got a teenager who's probably now getting their own money more and potentially could go out and get a a part-time job or a Saturday job and and have their own money independently from you anyway um how do we help teenagers to kind of transition into you know managing their own money um as I said independently of their parents yeah so I think there's uh, that kind of uh sort of mid-teens kind of age I think that the kind of the words that you said there were just perfect it's all about transition and trying to make sure that as parents we're proactively helping them move from where we pay for everything and we look after them and don't let them worry about anything to to the point where because ultimately by the time they get to 18 they should be fully in charge of all sort of discretionary spending and financial decisions. So we kind of need to take them on a transition from one to the other. So that might mean that you don't buy them clothes anymore. You don't buy them, uh, give them money to go to the cinema or anything like that. You sort of say, well, no, this is now your responsibility. Even if it's they haven't got a part-time job or they're not earning, it's more that you give them the pocket money that you would have spent on those but instead of saying all right you're going to the cinema here's some money you say right at the start of the month Mm -hmm. right i throughout this month i'm probably i'll generally give you money for two cinema trips and two t-shirts or something like that but i'm going to give you that money now and how you spend that money over that month Mm -hmm. is is your (laughs) is your prerogative (laughs) Uh, i'm not going to give you any more and so they've got to then start budgeting they've Mm -hmm. got to start uh, rationalizing all right, what decisions do I make? <laughs> do I want to go to the cinema three times but have no popcorn or do I go twice and have popcorn? <laughs> and it's just helping them starting to make mm-hmm. these decisions and allowing them to make mistakes. I think this is such an important age for them to realize that making money mistakes is completely fine. It's completely natural. Uh, don't worry about it. Um, but p- making sure that parents don't then come in and, and kind of swoop in and make sure everything's okay and just give them extra money so if they do spend all their money in the first week of that month you've got to let go through the whinging and the pain for that last three weeks um because (laughs) that's they need to understand that it's a mistake they made and the next month they won't make that mistake again whereas if you succumb to the moaning (laughs) and the pit then they're just going to see that oh there's always a get out and that's what credit cards are doing they're Lots of people see credit cards. Oh, I made a mistake. It's fine. I'll just use my credit card. And the next thing, they're they're just delaying the pain. <laughs> and we want to make sure our kids 
yeah. make mistakes, learn from it. Uh, so by the time they are 18, they're not going to make as many mistakes <laughs> because it's so much cheaper for them to make mistakes when they're kids yeah. than it is when they're adults. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then yeah. On that yeah. topic, at yeah. that age, it's so, so important that parents find a way of teaching their kids about debt. Um, most children mm-hmm. do not get to learn about debt and the, the sort of uh, the costs of debt. Uh, so I remember when I went to university, um, had the, the Freshers Week, um, and I think it was one of the big credit card companies were there and they essentially said oh it's you don't he's got a thousand pounds uh limits and you get this free inflatable chair and I was like oh this is the best thing ever (laughs) Um, (laughs) luckily I didn't go crazy with it but (laughs) at the time I thought the credit card company was my best friend (laughs) they're like how cool is this company give me all this stuff Mm. um and that's because I didn't know the downside to it and I think there's a lot of people who definitely don't see the downsides of it and that's just the start of the sort of life of debt which I really want to see the next generation move out of yeah so how did you learn that the credit card company wasn't your friend again probably just because my parents have always sort of whilst I didn't know much about debt they once I did get a credit card they were like just make sure you pay it off every month um and so I was always a little bit cautious so even I didn't know the full ramifications of it and I but one time I did use it and I got an interest bill and I was like, what, where's this come from? <laughs> and it was bigger than I thought. Um, <laughs> and you know, I'm relatively good numbers. And I was like, all right, that's a bigger number. <laughs> and I kind of back solved uh, that I don't want to do this. Um, so I, I was kind of fortunate in terms of my parents mm. and having that. But I can so, so easily see how many people would just see the minimum card payment uh, and nothing else. And they'll be like, oh, minimum card payment's not that bad. I'll carry on. Um, without kind of seeing uh, the cost of that debt. Yeah, yeah. I think what I really noticed in that as well is that you felt okay to talk to your parents about this. So you got the card um, and you were talking to your parents about money and having an open enough conversation that you'd mentioned you'd got the card and they then gave you the advice that you needed as well. And so there was that uh, safety within the family to talk about money that meant that you got that good advice to always pay off in full every month um, straight away and that helped you to then avoid getting into any yeah. real trouble and I think that sounds so important to to be in this position of having this open conversation yeah with I think families. it's so so important and I was very fortunate my parents were savers um, so I think they always felt quite comfortable talking about money because I know a lot of parents who don't want to talk about money because they find it so stressful and they just see money in a a very negative light and it's like why would I put that stress and pain onto my children by talking to talking to them about money and I think that's one of the biggest hurdles that we need to overcome and what I encourage all parents is even if you do find it stressful try and think of some learnings and positive ways in which you can ensure that your children don't feel that same um or get into those scenarios where they might be feeling the same as you are today and use it as a complete learning experience children love stories uh, and very personal stories they'll they'll remember even more so but as long as it has that kind of positive educational spin on it rather than oh i got into debt oh money's rubbish <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. don't, don't believe anyone <laughs> don't trust anyone yeah, Clearly yeah that's yeah. gonna shut their minds down but if you mm-hmm. kind of say well i made we did this we should have potentially done that uh, children will remember those stories for the longest time 
Yeah. On which note, let's let's have a chat about your book because um, you've mentioned it a couple of times. I've had a, a good look at it. I, I really enjoyed it. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, so tell us about Grandpa's Fortune yeah, so Fables. Grandpa's Fortune Fables is a book for children to learn pretty much most of the important money topics in stories. So the plot is there's a, a young girl who's about 13 who's got a very wealthy uh, grandfather and she essentially meets uh, someone and starts teaching them about how her grandpa learnt about money from going to this faraway island and essentially growing his his forest. So each chapter has a sort of a different topic or a different adventure that grandpa had from this island and each story has a different money topic so it goes through those three rules of wealth that i mentioned earlier so saving one out of every 10 and letting your trees grow from investing and um, being patient but it also talks about debts and scams and gambling it has a story about um, the house that you live in so most people live in their house and think oh my house has gone up in value i'm very very wealthy but actually unless you kind of get money out of your house some way then it's a different perception mm-hmm. so it's a story that i want children to learn some really important money lessons but trying to do it all via fun adventures and analogies and characters so i've got richie raccoon i've got sad sid i've got these uh, sort of a shovel sam and they've all got these kind of different lessons that come from some of the best personal finance books that are for adults but trying to put it into a fun spin on that but every chapter at the end to make sure kids kind of learn the lessons I've got a a kind of quiz question there and it's called a grandpa's mystery code and this has been the feedback that I've yeah I I really like a lot of feedback (laughs) it's been really enjoying that and parents as well so every they've got to try and answer the question find the letter and then at the end of the book if they get all the letters right they'll they'll solve the code uh, and get a little prize Uh, and yeah the feedback has been that's been uh, really positive and the great thing is parents have been reading it with their kids and I think that's the best thing because even though it's kind of set for ages 7 to 13 to kind of read on their own the stories are such a way that um, even younger children will enjoy the stories and, and learn something from it and it's not technical it's never trying to be technical it's it's trying to be uh, fun uh, simple but hopefully memorable and, and impactful as well because it talks about actions not just knowledge yeah i love it there's also some excellent yeah. dad jokes or, or perhaps i should call them uncle jokes in there as well um yeah. love a dad joke uh, so... they've had mixed reviews <laughs> it was uh yeah. oh no 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 i i am dad jokes for life yeah. on this podcast um yeah so so into that um yeah no it's it is it's a really fun book it's got some you know really great dynamic colorful illustrations and fun use of different fonts and typefaces and things so yeah i i just um i thought the design of it was really fun as well no i've enjoyed i enjoyed doing that and i got to work with some amazing people to to help me do those those bits so uh, if, yeah, especially like the front cover, I had an illustrator, but a, a, a close friend for where we lived uh, did the design. So on the front cover where it looks like sort of foliage, it's all made out of uh, banknotes, etc., uh, which kind of people don't realise straight away, but then get a nice little surprise when they see that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. That's great. So um, if our listeners want to 
uh, either get you in to do some financial well-being and and teach them and or a group they know or their colleagues about how to teach children about money or even better if people want to get a copy of grandpa's fortune fables where can they yeah. find so you? my website is at uh, bluetreesavings.com uh, so on there i have all my blogs i release a blog every week to help parents teach their kids about money so a lot of people subscribe to that um and it's got all of the details about my book which is on amazon uh, and my email is just will at bluetreesavings.com and i'm so open to anyone just emailing with a question comment uh views uh sharing a, a story from their childhood or what they're doing with their children i just yeah the more emails the better on, on those kind of topics excellent amazing well it's been a lot of fun talking to you and i wish you all the best with this because uh, i think oh, what thank you're doing you so much for having me on the show and uh supporting this topic because yeah i think it's such an important one for for children to learn You've been listening to Squanderlust, the podcast about the emotional side of money with me, Martha Lawton. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love one of those nice five-star reviews too. Or you can tell a friend about us, maybe somewhere on social media where we're at Pod. You can also find us at squanderlustpod.com where we put show notes, useful links and ways to support the show. Squandlust is sponsored by Wardour Studios in Fitzrovia, London, with production by David Smith, Alicia Cunningham, Charlie Brandon King and Tom Berry. Our theme music is by Wardour Studios and graphic design by Jason Reed. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.